Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the newest edition of Real Deal Hockey with Bundy and Bill. I'm Bill Melto. I'm with Chris Terrian. We're going to be joined in a few minutes by a very special guest, Flyers General Manager Ron Hextall. Um, before uh, before Hexy comes on, um, there's a bunch of things that will be going on uh, around the Flyers of late. Um, you know, some not not so happy, tragic situation in uh, in Hamilton, Ontario, with the uh, passing of Ray Emery. Um, happened on Sunday. Uh, a lot of us, uh, Bundy and, and I included, were at the uh, Charity Classic down the Wells Fargo Center and learned about it um, as we were basically getting back home or going on wherever we were with our day. And um, the very, very sad news, um, you know, Ray was a, actually technically speaking, a three-stint flyer, um, you know, a guy who uh, a lot of people on and around the team were very fond of. Um, and, you know, when I when I think of, of Ray Emery, Chris, you know, I think of a guy who, you, know, you think of his competitiveness and, and his work ethic. There was a guy who, who went through, you know, a, a lot of situations in his life and his career and, and two different times, you know, we was exiled to Russia because of situations going on in his life. And he, he came back to the NHL and rebuilt a career. He had a uh, career threatening hip injury. Um, actually an injury that no athlete ever come back from before. Bo Jackson's career ended oh, yeah. because of the same injury. Yeah. And, you know, Emery came back and he won a Stanley Cup at a second time with the Flyers. So when, you know, when I think of Emery, those are the things that I think of. You know, it's really funny. Uh, just a quick story on Ray. I remember, remember when Paul Holmgren the first time around, I'd been retired maybe a couple years at the time, and, and I saw Paul as the starting radio. And um, when, I, when I looked at – Paul had said, hey, what do you, you, know, what do you think about Ray Emery? And I, I looked, I said, oh. Man, that's a lot of baggage, Homer. I said, just from what I've heard, you know. I knew I'm from Ottawa. He played in Ottawa. Uh, you know, the stories where he get pulled over like 70 times. And actually, Ray told me that later, and he said he never got a ticket. But, you know, he what happened was when Homer got him, from my standpoint, uh, and I remember Paul said at the time, he said, you know, he's a, he's a good goalie, though. I said, oh, I agree with that, you know, but I just don't know what he's got left. If there's other issues that were more important to Ray than the actual game of hockey. It wasn't until Ray Emery came here that I actually realized he was a better person than he was a player. Uh, and he was a heck of a goalie, competitive. He had desire. Did he have his demons? Of course he did. Uh, a lot of guys have that. But that's why when you look through Twitter after this tragic, tragic event and you see how much his teammates really lifted that guy up and how much they loved him, that's the best way to tell who a guy is, is what people think of him from his time in that league because, you know, you can't hide from other guys. You know, when you're in that locker room or you're on the ice, you know, you are who you are and you want the respect of your teammates. And, and Ray had that. Just a tragic situation, Bill. I wish it obviously never happened. It's devastating. Um, but what a, what a quality, quality person that the one that I dealt with. And, um, 
and he'll be missed for sure, no doubt at all. The players really liked him and, and respected him and, in fact, loved him. When, when I think also of Ray, you know, I, I, and of the effect that he could have in the room, you know, you go back to the fight that he had with Holtby. And, and you know, Ray took a lot of criticism over that. He didn't care. You know, that, that, that didn't bother him. But if you remember that game against Washington where everything just kind of spun out of control and – I mean, Ray had, made, Ray had had his mind made up because the seventh goal that uh, that the Capitals scored, his mask had been knocked off in the crease, you know. And, right. and he's right. he's upset about that. There was no call on the play, and he'd had enough. He he decided, you know, that that it, basically he was going to take matters in his own hands. Yeah. And Not, you know, and, right? And he, and he yeah, and, and he took you know, and he took he took heat over it, you know. And and I understand that. I mean, you know, hope he didn't defend himself, and it was a lopsided fight, but. If, but what people forget that happened after that was, well, the next night Emery was in goal. He shut out the Devils, and the Flyers, yeah. who started out three and nine, went on a went on a tear and made the playoffs that year. And that was a that was a turning point in that season for the team because that's the kind of thing that sometimes can bring a room together. And Emery Emery had an understanding of that, I thought. He did. He was an old school throwback uh, for sure. Uh, he was probably the toughest player on the Flyers team. Now, I don't know if any of the fans knew that, but there were players around the league that did not want to mix it up with Ray Emery. And if you were happened to be on the other end of it, it usually didn't work out very well. But he was uh, he he was a gamer, and he got it. You know, he got that old-school part that you don't see that in the NHL today. There, it's, it's just not the way it's built anymore. But uh, when you look back at the, the fans, especially in Philadelphia, that's something that Philadelphia fans just love. And uh, – an endeared race, certainly, to the team, to his teammates, and to the city, ultimately. Absolutely. And he was, you know, that is a guy who had been a, a starting goalie and a cup finalist in Ottawa, you know, yep. and, and was brought here to be a starter. And then, you know, after coming back from the hip injury, he, he lost a lot athletically, as, as, any, as anybody would. And he had to readjust his game, be much more of a positional goalie. Now, you know, teams could exploit his lateral movement to some degree, but he, he, he never gave up on the play. And he was all, and he was also a goalie who Corey Crawford would tell you that Mason would tell you that that he was always supportive of the other goalie as he as he adapted, you know, later in his career. And you know, my my other my other favorite story with Ray uh, is was from his first time. Remember, because everybody knows he was a huge boxing fan, and yeah. uh, the Flyers the Flyers brought Smoking Joe Frazier in to visit the yeah. team in Voorhees. And, and I'll tell you what, I never saw a guy that happy to, to meet, you know, like, you know, and Ray, Ray was a pretty big name athlete himself, but he was just, he was like a kid in a candy store when, when Joe Frazier was, there. I, I've never, I never saw him that happy before or after that, you know, he was, he was just, uh, just giddy that, 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 uh, Joe Frazier was, there. I'll never forget that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I remember that. I remember that too. It was pretty awesome when he had, had him in there as like a real hero and, and he, that's the best too. He get to see guys like around the league where they become starstruck of another athlete and that does happen. And, I think that shows a little bit about uh, uh, that guy's humility, Ray Emery's humility as a person. But just a, just a great guy, Bill. He's going to be sorely missed. I, I know just as a friend to a lot of people, uh, he always had a smile on his face for people on the plane, uh, around the team. And uh, just a shame, you, you know, just far too young at 35 years old for anything like that to happen. Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, a lot, of heavy hearts, just, just... a lot of heavy hearts around the NHL this week. Absolutely, and that that kind of overshadowed you know everything everything else this past week. But um, there were there were other things since we were last on the air uh, that went on around the Flyers. Um, Christian Folin or Folin, depending on how you want to pronounce it, was signed to a 
one-year contract, um, pretty pretty reasonable deal, on the, on, especially on the flyer side of it. Uh, right-handed shooting guy. Actually, back when, when he was coming out of college, the Flyers were rumored to be one of the two finalists, along with uh, Minnesota to sign him as a free agent then. So there was some yep. some interest at that point. You know, what was your your reaction to the signing? Is, is he a depth guy? Is he a you know potential top six? How, how do you see him? Yeah, I think so. I think he's a depth guy for sure. He may help the penalty killing. I'll, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk to you know to Ron about that. But I, I you know I think you know he's a big guy. I remember the when the sweepstakes started, it was huge. I remember they actually were out at dinner one night, and I believe it might have been. Um, what did Peter Laviolette, who was the coach at the time, I remember at that time Paul Holmgren actually had Peter and Keith Jones, a Western Michigan guy, call. <laughs> and after Jonesy called, it was pretty clear that that was the end of Christian Poland. See you later. Off the <laughs> he, was on, he was on the next plane to, to Minneapolis. Yeah, he was on the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought the same school as Keith Jones. I didn't even know that. <laughs> so, so. I, he was sought after. Uh, I, I've ever seen him in LA this year. He's a big body. You know, he takes up some uh, a lot of room, and, and the, the right shot helps. For uh, you know, from my standpoint, it, you know, it, it's great working with somebody. But you know, at, listen, everybody's looking at depth, and if you can add a guy, you think that's a little bit more ahead of the curve for your team, then you're going to do that. I think it's a good signing. Uh, I think you know exactly who you're getting. There's not going to be any misinterpretation of of who he is as a player, and. Um, I think it's I think it's a good depth signing and if and a guy who could certainly fill in on an NHL lineup any single night of the year. Yeah, and in the bigger picture, he's not going to block somebody. You know, when when uh, Phil Myers is ready for the NHL, when the organization feels he's ready for the NHL, he, he's going to step in. It's it's not a guy who you've signed to a you know a three year, four year, multi million dollar contract or you, you know who okay now now what do you do with this guy? He you can slot him you know as you see fit and. You know, again, it's a one-year thing, so it's a little bit of a prove-me contract for him too. I mean, he he might, you know, works out for him. He might stick around a couple of years. He might parlay into a deal elsewhere. But I thought it was, you know, I thought that was a pretty good signing for the for the spot in the lineup where they have him pegged. It, it'll be interesting, and we can we can talk to Ron about this as as he comes in. You know, there's a definite opening in the in the third line center kind of a role, penalty killing type, a two-way guy. You know whether that'll be Morgan Frost, whether the, whether that'll be Scott Lawton. I mean, I guess that'll get a guess that'll play itself out. But that that to me is one of the things, along with the goaltending, that's going to have to be kind of figured out as they prepare for camp in the season. Yeah, it's it's tough when you got younger guys that are really close. Like I, you know, I haven't seen a lot of Morgan Frost other than uh, uh, some of the videos through the year, and he's you know not here as we're in a different city and focused on NHL games, but. You know, that's a that's an interesting one because, you know, Sean Couturier at the same time started – he's a bigger body, started off on that third line in more of a defensive role and got everything squared away for himself moving forward. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, if that's the way they want to go. Ultimately, you don't want a point-producing type of player on the third or fourth line. Uh, but for me, that's a pretty pretty big learning curve right there to be able to be on the third line. If you're able to play it young in your career, you can learn a lot from what goes on just playing nightly in that type of role. And I think it'll help. If you have the offense, you'll always have the offense, I believe. It's just nice to be able to have that luxury of refining stuff defensively where you won't hurt the team in the process. Is, uh, is Ron with us here? I'm, I'm not on. sure. There he is. The man. The man joins us. Actually, thanks Monday. very much for your time, bud. No problem. 
So yeah, we, we were talking a little bit before we brought you in about the uh, signing of, of Christian Fallen, and it seemed to me to be where, you know, he kind of checked the boxes that you said you'd been looking for, where it's, you know, short-term deal. It's a, it's a one-year contract. He adds some depth as a right as a right-handed shot, brings some size, some physicality, you know, adding to the penalty killing. I mean, is that kind of where you, you slot him in maybe as a guy who – you know, if you need him to, he, he could play a stretch of games. He could be a depth guy. There's a, there's a lot of ways you can take it with him. Yeah, he, he's um, – we, we view him as a versatile guy. Obviously, the right shot, the size, those are things that are attractive to us. He's got real good range. Um, played a lot of games for L.A. last year. I think he played 65 games. He's a pretty good hockey player. We also feel like he's he's only a four-year pro. You know, he's 27 years old, but with defensemen, it takes longer sometimes. And we feel like there might be a little bit more upside as well. So we're excited about the acquisition. Nice, too, for you, Hexy, when you look at a guy like Christian Fuller and you look at the other players around him, is it also that, yes, he's only been in the league four years, and, yeah, it's young at the same time, but is he somebody that in that process can also help those still young developing defensemen for you? Yeah, he gives us. He certainly gives us some some flexibility in terms of our young guys, whether they're up or down, whether they're playing a little lesser role, a little a little bigger role. The young players are gonna they're gonna dictate that, obviously. But we've also got to have something behind them just in case things things don't go well. And obviously, it's a long season with injuries. So, like I said, we've we've liked this guy. I think you guys talked about earlier from the time he was a college free agent, we followed him and. And he's a player that we've always been interested in. So we're excited to have him and, and uh, have him join our group, particularly as a right shot. You've discussed the uh, JVR signing in, in, in some depth. Uh, I'd be interested in, in talking about, you know, there, there's, a, there's a trickle of down effect in, in the lineup, um, whether it's on the power play, you know, whether if JVR is going to be, be a first unit guy that obviously moves somebody to the second unit. I mean, in, term, in terms of power play, do you now see the potential to get two effective units going where you're, you know, you have uh, whether JVR is playing net front or slot, I guess that's to be determined and will be figured out as you head into the season. But in terms of, but in terms of being able to put out two units, does that kind of give you a, a head start in being able to put together a second effective unit? It, it does. I mean, one more, one more body for the power play along with our young players getting more experience and becoming better players, the, the connect these, the Patrick's, the Provorov's, uh, stick these guys amongst your your top ten on on you know two power plays, and we feel like we're deeper there, and we'll be able to uh, float two power plays out there, which is which is huge. I mean, it's we put a lot of pressure on our first power play, and as good as it is, um, you know, a lot of nights you see them taking ninety seconds of the power play, and I see that being being dialed back a little bit and giving our second unit more chances. It, there's a hunger there, but there's also a freshness there when you're a fresh player on the ice. Um, in terms of making plays and scoring goals. So we feel like we added to the depth, uh, not only to our club, but also on the power play. And actually, while, you, while you're talking about special teams and we're, we're on the subject, uh, one of the issues of concern last year, what right across the, uh, the Flyers, was the penalty kill. And I know there was that stretch in November that nothing went well. It really dropped the percentages down. Is there anything that you look at from – a standpoint of how that penalty kill can creep back up into the 80, 80, you know, 83 type of range where it's uh, it's not such a deterrent some nights where other teams look at it and say, oh, we got a, we got a weaker type of penalty kill to deal with guys. So it's not as hard. 
that must be an area that you guys would love and, and have to have improved this year. Yeah, we we do have to improve there for sure, 100%. It's kind of one of our focuses. We've certainly, you know, Fulan obviously is a, a penalty killer and he's a right shot. And that's an important thing um, for us, but we'd still like to improve a little bit personally. Whether we can or not, I don't know. Um, if we can, our guys are going to have to be better. But I think the biggest thing for for myself and our staff here in evaluating it is that we did a really good job late in the year. So we did yeah. make a couple of systematic changes. So those are going to flow into next year. And if we do go in with the same personnel, um, we're going to have to be better. And obviously we're going to have to continue on with how we played at the end of the year. One of the uh, pieces of personnel that you did lose this off season was Val uh, Philpola. And, you know, I, I think one thing that sometimes people didn't appreciate was Philpola took on a lot of hard minutes for the team. I know, I know that, you know, he wasn't a darling of the, the analytics, you know, people that are very heavily with analytics. But if you look at the, the minutes that he played, the situations he played in, whether it was penalty kill, sometimes, sometimes he, early in the year he was playing power play. But just in terms of being able to free up other guys, moving, you know, coots up in the lineup, taking, taking pressure off of other guys where he, where he took on those minutes – you know, is a guy like Scott Lawton ready to assume that role? Is it, uh, you know, how, how does how does that role kind of play out this year as, as you see it, you know, uh, mind you, you know, mind you, a couple months ahead of training camp? Yeah. Um, in terms of Val, Val, Val was, a, as you mentioned, a valuable player for us. The, the, the coaches felt uh, a trust in him and, and people – obviously that really know the game. They understand the coach having trust in the player. It means a lot. That's how you get on the ice. We talk about our offensive players, even the Lehigh Valley. The first way you get ice time is, is with the coach trusting you. The coach can put you out there. You're going to play more. Therefore, you're going to have more opportunities to, to, to put up points and you're going to, you're going to play with better players. So the trust factor is huge. You can point to, you know, Nick Abu Cabal down there who, had a real good year last year. He did not have such a great year. He still does have some things to tidy up for sure in his game, uh, but he has tidied the defensive part of it up to some degree, um, and he's improved a lot in his in his two years down there. So, again, the, the, the defensive side of it a lot of times is what dictates how much ice time you get. Therefore, you can play, you know, more minutes in an expanded role. Um, in terms of the 3C, it's, it's really – um, it's up for debate right now in terms of our guys, and our guys are going to, in the end, dictate who, who plays there, assuming we can't do anything to make us better between now and training camp. But we do have we do have different options. Jordan Wheel has, has played a lot of center in his career. He's been a very good center. Hasn't played a whole lot in the National League, but he has played some, so he's certainly an option. You mentioned Eddie Lawton. Um, we'll see how a couple of our kids uh, do. Barobiev had a pretty good year in Lehigh Valley. So that one's going to have to play out um, through training camp, and we'll see where it goes. But we feel like we have enough options. Uh, I certainly don't see G starting there, but obviously he's, he can play center, and who knows at some point. But we got enough options there where we're comfortable that something will will work out and rear its head. You mentioned Jordan uh, a Wheel, Ron, and he's a guy that I guess – you know, maybe got the contract. He had a good finish two years ago, and then went a little bit up and down, a little bit of a roller coaster this past year. 
Where where are guys like him, uh, Taylor Lear, who's newly signed, and Dale Weiss uh, from from that standpoint with two years left on that contract? Where do you envision that outside of Jordan Wheel, who you just mentioned? Well, I mean Wheeler Wheeler's one of those kids when he when he gets momentum he really goes well and and Jordan's a yeah. very dedicated kid which you love. Um, so one thing I'd like him to improve on is just the the mental part of the game where when things don't go well, Jordan makes something happen every shift, which you love about him. On the other hand, sometimes it, it takes away from his game. So something that we've right. talked about with him and he can get better at. And as I said, he, he's got a very high skill level. His hockey IQ is, is extremely high and we're hoping he can be a, he can be an important player for us this year. Um, Taylor, Taylor had a good first half last year. Uh, second half, he, he didn't play as well, and he ended up being out of the lineup quite a bit. He's got to come in and prove that, that he's an NHL player and can stay in, in the lineup on a consistent basis. And Weiser's got to play better, better player than he's played for us consistently, um, and he's got to bring that consistency. There's, there's games, you know, there's times where you go, yeah, he's, there he is, he's a good player, but he needs to bring that the uh, consistent uh, uh, level of performance um, needs to bring it up. There was a lot of promise shown in junctures of last season, you know, by Oscar Lindblom, you know, with, without the puck, he was pretty solid throughout. The offense took some time to come at the American Hockey League level. At the NHL level, he was pretty snake bit for a while and then got going a little bit and then hit a little bit of a wall again at the end, you know, in, in, you know by, by the postseason and then played pretty well for the Phantoms, you know, when he, when he went back for the rest of the playoffs. Does the acquisition of JVR take a little bit of pressure off of Oscar from the offensive side, but also kind of challenge him to step up his game to where, you know, he, he fits in that mix where he might, be, he might be moving up, might be moving around the lineup as you need him into, into offensive situations? Yeah, um, I think Oscar overall had a had a pretty good year. I think it was pretty evident at the end there, even late in the playoffs in, in Lehigh Valley there, that it was a long season for him. Um, he played, I think he played 70 games uh, two years ago in Sweden, but all of a sudden you start playing, you know, close to 100 games. It is a big difference. You're playing three and three. You're playing, you know, three, four games a week. So uh, it was a big step for him. Um, in saying that, I think what we talked about earlier, Oscar does have the trust of any coach wherever he is in terms of playing the game the right way and managing the puck and, and doing all the right things, reading the situations the right way, making the, the proper plays. So as you mentioned, when he started off with the Flyers, he, was, he didn't produce offensively. We hoped he would. He didn't. Uh, but he remained in our lineup because, because we could trust him to you know, make the right plays. So, and then eventually it started rolling. And, you know, again, overall, I think Oscar had a good year. Certainly, he's got a year under his belt, and we expect him to be a better player next year. Yeah, he came a long way this year. I thought he did a good job and very, very solid, I thought, defensively, where he'll, he'll get better, too, for you guys, Hexy. You know, you talk about the younger guys, and you're really on it. Uh, your job as a general manager is to assess where your team was at from the previous season. That being said, how much do you put into the rising development now of, of your really quality first-round picks like Nolan Patrick, uh, Travis Konechny, uh, Sanheim, and now uh, you know with uh, with Phil Myers? How much do you envision that their growth uh, of taking a bite out of this Flyers team moving forward? 
Well, yeah, I mean, the way, the way you know, we came up with a plan four years ago and the way we did it, basically our upside is our young kids. We've had a lot of draft picks. Uh, our amateur scouts have done a heck of a job uh, to this point. Um, but, you know, a lot of our success is going to hinge on, on our young players getting better. It's when you look this year and you always want to try and get better every year. Okay, so we add JVR. We feel like we've gotten we've gotten better, but we've also got to get better from within. If you don't get better from within, it's really hard with the salary cap and with the the of, of you know high end free agents out there to improve through free agency and trades. I mean, people people everybody wants trades, but but what we realize is we've got to give something off our team to get something, and do you necessarily get better? You, you you plug one hole and you open up another hole typically with a trade. So we need to get better from within and the young kids that you mentioned, you know, need to get better. Um, but we have a lot of upside. And as I said, with JBR, we feel like we're going to be a better team. You would reference in terms of, of Oscar Lindblom getting, getting a little tired, maybe the end of the season because of a longer season, not used to playing back to back games. Cause you don't get so many of those over in Sweden. When you're, when you're making a decision on uh, Morgan Frost, how much are you looking at? Okay. Does he come in? He come in, and, and uh, his skill level makes an impact maybe in, in October or in the November. Does it hold up over 82 games? Does, does he hit a Does he hit a wall sometime midseason? Because it looked a little bit. And I watched a lot of Sue Greyhound talkie last season. It looked to me like by the time they got to the Kitchener series, and especially against Hamilton, there was a little bit of a wear down against him, just because he played more minutes than he ever had at any point. You know, and and, and that's you know, and and. Well, your checking is going to get tighter anyway as the playoffs go along. But he he was seeing a lot of uh, in the Kitchener series. He was seeing a lot of uh, Logan Stanley, Logan Brown, big, big, strong guys. And you know there there were times he he struggled with some of those matchups. Is that something where you know not just what he does in camp point wise in terms of his maturity, you know, as a two hundred foot player, but how much does he hold up over a year? Oh no question. Those are those are all the things that that we take into consideration for sure. Uh, what we don't want to do is keep a young player and then all of a sudden, 25 games in, you're sitting there going, "Oh boy, what do we do with this young player now? Do we do we now send him back to junior? Do we keep him? Uh, what what do we do with him? His minutes are going down, and we need to win hockey games. So it's not as easy as as I certainly we'd like it to be in terms of making decisions on young players because you're trying to project the whole year. It's not. You know, I remember a kid, I won't mention his name, it was about 15 years ago, came in, played great for about a month or month and a half, and then all of a sudden he fell off the map where it looked like he couldn't even play in America. And like, those types of things happen, and you want to make the wrong decisions there in terms of stunting a kid's growth by keeping him an entire year, or you keep him for 25 or 30 games, you send him back, and typically a kid goes back to junior, and his mind's still in the NHL, he's disappointed, and things don't go well in junior, so... There's a lot of things that come into those decisions. They're certainly not easy ones to make. You guys have uh, one of the best young defensemen in, in the league, a couple of them, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down because Ghost was taken care of last summer. Ivan Provorov has become, uh, in the eyes of many, uh, one of the best young defensemen in the NHL, and he is for sure. I get the pleasure of seeing him close up every single night. Where are you guys uh, with that, Hexy, in terms of trying to lock him up uh, so he's a flyer for the foreseeable future and, 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 a, and a bona fide number one defenseman? Yeah, he's going to be a flyer for a long time. Hopefully we can, hopefully we can get him signed here. Um, 
prior to certainly July 1st of, of next year and uh, get him going. He's a, he's a fixture for us. And again, as I mentioned, he's going to be here a long time. And with uh, Wayne Simmons, are you comfortable going to next year, seeing that he's healthy, that he's, that, uh, you know, Wayne is plays to the standards that uh, we're all used to seeing. And then, Maybe proceeding from there in terms of negotiating, would you, would you be surprised if, if it does stretch into next season at some point before you know next July? Yeah, I'm not sure where that's going to go. It's uh, it's a tough one for both sides, you know. Obviously, there's long-term deals out there, and and Simmer certainly, uh, uh, when you look at other guys that have signed him, deserves it. And you know, on our part, there's we got to think long and hard about about term on not only Simmer but a lot of deals. So. That's something that we'll we'll continue to kind of monitor, and we'll see where we go as we go along. Lastly, for me here, Hexy, when you and, and you mentioned a guy like Wayne Simmons, this is the toughest part of being a GM, and I think a lot of the league or the Metro Division sought with the Islanders. You have a player. I'm just putting the GM hat on myself for a sec. How difficult and how boxed in can a general manager get if you end up with a guy like a John Tavares, uh, and you're squeezed essentially because you can't move him. You're right on the cusp. What type of decisions and thought process is brought in with something like that? I know it's very, very tricky to your fan base, to the players on the team. How is something like that handled, and how difficult is it? Well, it's obviously very difficult. I mean, Tavares, I think for the Islanders, the hardest thing there is the uncertainty. Are we going to get him? Are we not going to get him? You know, he's essentially their player till July 1st, but is he going to come? I mean, you, very difficult to replace a player like that. So, thankfully for us, we've 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 got a lot of good young players, and those young players are going to continue to develop. But at some point, we'll probably be in a similar situation with a with the top player, and you just try and do the best you can do, convincing them that Philadelphia is the best place to to play hockey. Sure. Last thing, uh, last last thing for me, we have uh, <clears throat> next thing coming up, I guess, in the off season, is you have the the World Junior. Uh, development camps are going on. I believe uh, eight Flyers prospects are, are involved in these different camps. And there's a lot of the familiar names. It's Morgan Frost. It's the uh, two first-round picks this year, Farabee and O'Brien. Um, Yinning, the second-round pick this year. A couple of names that are kind of under-the-radar guys who I know had you know pretty good seasons in their respective leagues last year and are rewarded by, by invites to the World Junior Camps are uh, for Sweden, Oli Leeksel, and, and in the, for Team USA, Noah Cates. Those are, like I said, kind of under-the-radar guys. Can you kind of talk about their, their progress over the last year? Yeah. Um, Noah had a little bit of a uh, slow start to last year, but really came on, and, and uh, for most of the year, he's a very good player. He's, uh, he's a skilled player. He's got a, a high hockey IQ. He's got some quickness to his game, and he actually showed up in uh, in development camp and looked real good. He's in good shape and uh, really wants to be a player. So we're excited about him. Um, Ole's, Ole's similar. He's a real smart player. Um, he moves really well. He's not the biggest guy, but he plays hard. He's got a really good shot. He can, he can score some goals. Um, very competitive. So both those guys are... Their, their, their profile is is similar. They're kind of under the radar guys, as you mentioned, but they're they're skilled guys. They're smart players, and they're the types of guys that they don't pop right out at you. But the more you watch them, the more you see their skill level and 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 the impact they have on a game. So we're excited about certainly about both guys. 
Well, thank you very much for your time today, Ron. We really, uh, really appreciate it, and we're looking forward to uh, get, getting going here. It's uh, sometimes the uh, sometimes it seems endless these, these last uh, last month or so in summer. So, uh, thank you for taking the time today. Pleasure. Uh, see you, Bill Bundy. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. See you, bud. So. Yeah, so uh, it, it sounds like uh, it sounds like some of the things that we were, were talking about going in here. You know, the uh, the third line center role is again it, it's a little bit up in the air. Um, you know, I, I don't personally, I don't I don't know if Jordan Wheel is better suited at center or wing in the NHL. I, I don't think he's really the guy you want on the fourth line um, in a typical sense. I mean, sometimes the role of the fourth line has changed to some degree, but. You know, right. seeing seeing where he's going to fit, and also if you remember last year, you know, you had mentioned Taylor Lear to to Hexy. At the start of the year, you know that 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 fourth line with Michael Roffel and and Lawton and Lear, they were doing really really well. I remember at one point Elliot Friedman was talking to to a scout and made it made Friedman's uh, thirty one thoughts that, that 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 at least early in the season, scout the scout thought uh, the Flyers had the best fourth line in the NHL. It kind of you know they didn't they didn't really maintain it, and Lear ended up being pretty much disappearing from the lineup by the second half of the season. So, you know, well, penalty kill situation, Bill. I think in November of last year, uh, yeah. I just remember Dave Haxtell. They were trying to find some relief for the younger penalty killers because it's big minutes. People don't realize. It. You think you just go out there and you fire the puck down, but it's stop and start, and it's mentally getting wear on you, and you're killing a lot of penalties. I think that just took him right out of sync. For the entire rest of the season, he lost his confidence. Um, and I, and I, th- but I think that when I look at a guy like Taylor Lear, he can skate. I think he can use that skating more to his advantage. And I still think he can be a valuable penalty killer. And I'll, I'll put another name out there too as a as a dark horse type of a guy. Now he's just never been able to stay healthy, and I think that's what's held him back. But Cole Bardrow, as a bottom six guy, or even as a versatile guy, who sometimes moved around the lineup for the Phantoms. You know, uh, plays with a ton of energy. He's always around the puck. You know, uh, he really gets under other teams' skin. That's a guy who, if, if he's healthy in camp and, and can stay healthy, could be a guy who I think could potentially push for a job. Yeah, I think so. And you know what? You heard Hexy. I was just going to actually pop the question there when before he mentioned his name. But, you know, Vorobiev's another guy, Bill. That's You know, it was kind of he was kind of like, you know, through – the talking lines of uh, a couple of weeks ago, everybody uh, playing GM. A lot of people thought that might be, there may be an opportunity for him. Uh, you talk to some of the people here, they say he clearly needs to work at uh, some of his off ice stuff, particularly language. And uh, that can be a huge barrier, but there are guys down there clearly that the flyers and the, and the, the staff are looking at and assessing as guys perhaps now to come in and certainly just get just talking to Ron. I got the feeling that that may be where they go for that third line spot, is possibly in house. That's what it sounds like. Whether it's Scotty Lawton who's here and he goes up the line, or whether it's one of those guys you mentioned, Bardro or, or Vorobiev. Yeah, and and uh, you know, and and I don't think German Rubsov is going to be immediately ready for the NHL, but um, he's the guy who was a first round pick a couple of years ago. His offensive game hasn't really come around, I think, the way everybody hoped. He, he showed some promise his first year in the Quebec League. Last year really didn't take off, you know, the way everybody was hoping. Showed some flashes at the World Juniors, but not really didn't really step up in a huge way offensively. But one thing that nobody questions about him 
is he's a two-way guy. He, and that that's more of your, you know, you, you would talk about putting a guy in the third-line role, and I don't think Rubsov is going to play that right away, but that's a guy who maybe long-haul might fit in that kind of scenario. If, if Frost moves to a wing, you know, I think in today's NHL more and more, the old, the old, the traditional third line role, the, the guy with Joe Otto used to be the epitome of that, the shutdown big center in the middle, you know, gets you 12, 14 goals a year, 35 points, whatever the case might be, but primarily is there to shut guys down. Well, more and more the league is moving to trying to get three scoring lines out there. So, yeah. you, know, you know, Frost kind of fits that paradigm in terms of the way, the way the league has gone. But if he ends up moving and playing, playing a wing at some point, then you might see a guy like Rubsov. And I'm not talking this season. I'm talking bigger picture down the line. Then maybe that, that might be where he fits in. So, you know, it's more to me filling in the gap between, you know, where they, where they are right now and, and uh, you know, and, and filling to where it might be in a year or two down the line, which is one of the reasons I think they didn't want to look long-term on anybody. Um, you know, and, and listen, I mean, uh, was, uh, you know, was Val Philpo the ideal third-line center? No, but, but where they were they able to slot him in was he did take, he did take, as I was saying to Hexy, a lot of hard minutes off of other guys. Couturier was able to be more of an offensive guy because they gave Philpum, you know, a, a bigger, a bigger share defensively. And he struggled over the times, you know, you would see him go head to head with Sidney Crosby at times, other, other than, you know, other than game uh, five of that uh, Pittsburgh series where it looked like he turned back the clock to his Detroit days where he was, well, I thought at one point he was one of the more, underrated players around the NHL. Sometimes those matchups were, were tough for Val, but the same, but the same time, you know, it, it had a, it has a positive effect in terms of freeing other guys up. So it's going to be interesting to me to see, you know, how that, how that role gets filled. It, it, it certainly is. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. And, and worst case scenario, Bill, if that is the case, uh, then Ron certainly has a pile of assets at his disposal because anybody will take a crack at anybody uh, to give them a shot. So if they have an abundance or an overload of, of young players and uh, whether uh, they have too many players on the main roster, they have to move somebody to open space. He certainly has that at, at, uh, in his arsenal. And I think that's, that's a great thing to have. You, know, you talked about the third line uh, with the scoring. It's interesting. You know, I'm down there by the glass. You watch so many games. I actually asked Dave Haxtall this last year before a game. And, I, and my, my question was simple. Is the third line the most important line in hockey? And he actually looked and said, you know what, I believe it is. And the reason for that is because it is – you mentioned it. I said, you look for a shutdown. You can use a third line or a checking line uh, as a shutdown role where you have a very good two-way center. But the thing is now that there's no – usually the, the, the theory is that the top two first lines will kind of shut each other out. That's what you'd like in an ideal line, an ideal world. And then the third line is allowed to kind of open up a little bit because it's not being checked one-on-one so that's where the opportunity is with that for guys to really compile points up now and in depth lines because uh there's just no matchup anymore in that third line situation so i think it's a positive thing for for guys in that situation and if you are a third line player now don't be upset about it actually rejoice it because there's going to be an opportunity for you absolutely you go up against teams that don't have a ton of depth then all of a sudden you find yourself in as you were saying, some some favorable matchups where you know a lot of teams have a have, have a very good top six. So you know if you if you get get an effective third line, then I agree with you. That that to me is a huge key to the Flyers this season. Get getting a third productive line out there, and also you know you're going to have stretches where a top or even a, the best of lines is not 
you know, they're, they're hitting a little slump or, or just whatever. They're playing a little bit of tough luck. Okay, well, they're not scoring. Who's going to pick up a little bit of the slack? I think to develop to develop a third line like that. Okay, now you know who your top six are. Build a build a third line that works, and then all of a sudden you're you know you're looking at potentially being a team that can make a little bit of noise. You know, come come yep. the postseason. Now that still has to take shape over the season, of course. But I think that's one of the big challenges going in. Absolutely, Bill. No question about it. Uh, I think that uh, we got a lot out of Ron here today. You know, we didn't really go over the signing because it's been about three weeks removed of JVR. So we're just it was good to get a feel for what he thinks of the team as it stands right this moment. Uh, and, and you know what? I did pick up twice uh, talking to him. Um, I don't know if you noticed it, but he said, you know, clearly they're still trying. It sounds like they're trying to make a trade. That's what yeah. I got out of it. He, he yeah. said if he can't do anything between now and camp. I think he said it a couple times. So interesting to see where they're at. And, uh, you know, Ron keeps everything pretty close to the vest. He does a good job of that. So, um We'll we'll continue to check back in with him and 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 see what happens uh, in August. It's weird because you always think now that they promote so much at the NHL draft for trades uh, and stuff happening. It, it really has not happened the last couple of years. So uh, it's interesting because it, that used to be a league wide thing where you'd see a ton of trades happening, stuff going down, um, and, and we'll be interesting to see if things start happening now as they move towards training camps. Uh, if there's a new trend uh, in the air with that, so. Uh, but we got really great stuff out of it today, and uh, and I think it was. Uh, and Ron is always very open. It's good stuff. Absolutely, yeah, it was it was it was great stuff from Ron today. And uh, you know, we really really appreciate him coming on the air today. And actually, moving forward, you know, we've had we've had some really good guests on. We've had James Van Riemsdyk. We've had Carter Hart today. We had Hexy. You know, we have a uh, we have a lot more in the works along those lines, and not just flyers too. It, uh, you know, just just discussing hockey in the league. Obviously, we'll always yep. have uh, you know uh, a flyers element to it too. But as we continue to you know as we continue to move along here, I think uh, you know we'll we'll talk about the broader things that are going on going on around the league as well. You know, I think uh, you know for example, as we head into the season, you know, looking at the division, who got better, who uh, who stayed the same, who might be a little bit more vulnerable this year. Those those kind of topics are things we will will touch on moving forward, and uh, we. Definitely appreciate you having having uh, having Ron on, having everyone who's been listening. The uh, you know reaction has been tremendous so far, and uh, we we appreciate it. So uh, we'll be back uh, probably sometime early next week with our next episode. And again, thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks very much, everybody. Have a great weekend. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.